your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? It's really, it's really awful. Do it to it, brother. Lutheran stuff, no drama, no drama podcast. I'm Pastor Hoffman, and with me is Zach Lesher. Say hello, Zach. Hey, all the Bushley fans so, out there. <laughs> so tonight, what we're gonna do is we're gonna be finishing up on Second, I mean, on First Peter, and we're gonna have First Peter five. And if you've been following along, we've been reading out of the um, Lutheran Study Bible. And it is in the English Standard Version, so if you have a Lutheran Study Bible, you can follow through it, and uh, it's pretty enjoyable. So for tonight, we have um, Chapter 5, which is uh, the end of of St. Peter's letter. And I'll read through it, and then we'll dig into some uh, Bush League goodness, as we have been reclaiming 1 Peter as a Lutheran book. So, Chapter 5 begins. St. Peter writes, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, The God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Silvanus, a faithful brother as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Amen, amen, amen. Can you believe it? I mean, Peter never gives you a dry bone. There, There's some... There's some uh, third use of exhortion there's then there's there's clergy then there's hey church then there's the gospel boom at the end and uh yeah no never dry bone 
Well, I definitely am enjoying this and I'm also enjoying uh, taking it back because the truth of the matter is, is here is a very simple thing. Um, because in our day and age, a lot of people refer to themselves as uh, as a as an elder, and um, or as the or as we say in English, a pastor, a priest, uh, and um, a presbyter. And so I exhort that as we start talking to the pastors, as a to, as I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. He starts establishing, I want you to know, um, I was there when they crucified the Lord, in case that hymn was circulating yet, just kidding. And and so he's pointing out to them, look, I'm speaking to you from a divine call and as an eyewitness, as a martyros of this, and as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. So he his... I like he he's a little different than St. Paul when establishing his priesthood, but he basically says, I walked with Christ. I received his grace. And we all know Peter. <laughs> Peter got a truckload of grace. And um, you got to like Peter because um, not only is he a wonderful church father and everything, but Christ used him not just to be a servant and a pastor. We also got to see the witness of the glory of Christ in a broken and, and damaged and sinful person like Peter. So when God uses you, it's not always for your skill. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, not only that, Peter's Peter's uh, the only one that, that uh, in the Gospel of John, where John's like, oh yeah, well, Jesus said this uh, about Peter because he's going to die, you know, pretty bad for Jesus's name. So, you know, we, we go from Peter denying Jesus to Peter dying for Jesus. Yeah, and that's the power of God right there, baby. I agree, and so you can't we can't get too 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 harsh on him, even though it is kind of easy because he gives us lots of he gives us lots of reasons to. But in reality, the more honest I am the more Peter gives me a mirror of my own failings and failures and and sinfulness. And then in Christ, we see that Peter also gives me a reminder of the grace and mercy uh, that Christ gives. So as a pastor, you have to know, that's pretty massively comforting. Well, we go from the, the Peter that's the blundering kind of buffoon in the Gospels, right? Even Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan. Mm -hmm. To this to this epistle here where he's like, you know, he's like the, again, the Godfather, the, the OG of, uh, of Lutheran uh, dogma. You know what I mean? <laughs> like the change, it, the change that God has brought about it was so <laughs> dramatic. You know, he's, He's like, oh, uh, it, it's good. We're all here, Lord. Let's build a tent for you and, and Moses and Elijah. And, and, and Jesus is like, ah. Uh. <sighs> you know, I can just imagine the face palm, like, dude. And then you have Peter here. He's like, no, I got this unlocked now. Check it out. Well, it is kind of a special thing, you know. And I should, I should say something to take comfort in. For everything that Peter was, you know, with his zeal and kind of his goofiness, here he is serving as a pastor, and he is um, 
He's a wonderful pastor. So you see that he actually, the Holy Spirit that makes that promise to us, that takes idiots and slaps us around and brings us into the Christian church through baptism and his spirit, and now he's acting like a pastor. And he's still not perfect, but man, he's just, he's just spot on on this, and it's just, uh, it's a joy to read it. You know, and, and speaking of, I think he, uh, Pastor Hoffman was just referring to us, except uh, yeah, Pastor Hoffman's a pastor. I'm a simpleton. I'm a layman. And, uh, <laughs> a simpleton. The thing, the thing that he nailed is is how God takes fools, and and look look at what he does. Like look at look at how we enjoy the word, and we enjoy bringing the word to everybody, and uh, uh, that's it right there. You know, so. Yeah, you know, same with Peter. Right, and you know, perfect in your life and everything you do is not the characteristic of the preaching of the gospel. The preaching of the gospel is characterized by who is the who is the gospel about and who is the gospel for and really messed up people. Some of the best pastors I've ever known are not you know are not like superman they're they're more like how you depict clark kent and but the gospel that they preach is so sweet and so wonderful that uh that you say you know it doesn't matter that that what we're hearing is the truth and so you know these faithful pastors who are broken still can preach the wonderful gospel Absolutely. So we're gonna we're gonna use a scary word here that people are afraid of. I exhort. Oh, I know. Look exhort. at him. I exhort the elders. In other words, he's saying, "Attention, the Michelins have hit the road." What we are doing is is I'm saying this is the way to go, and that shouldn't be offensive to Lutherans. Uh, because we know that instruction is is a well as a pastor it certainly doesn't offend me because instruction is part of Christ's lordship and his headship of the church um, he's going to instruct us and so for when people get all worried about the word exhort and stuff like that or um, then they're not they're not <laughs> they're not focusing on Jesus they're focusing on their own insecurities in my opinion but. Um, because he's exhorting him, and as, and he's and he hasn't exhorted him to anything yet. He's going, so I exhort the elders among you, and then there's like an there's like an open parent, just so you know, as a fellow elder and a witness, <laughs> he's saying this is by which I have the authority to exhort these other pastors. Because you know you can make arguments about Peter being the first pope of the Roman Church. But you can't deny that he was a bishop. He was overseeing other pastors, and um, and so he had this he had this humble call from God, you know, to go from being kind of the the zealous but overzealous apostle to being somebody given an important task. And um, and so what does he say? He starts to talk about the ministry. And by the way, Saint Paul says a lot of this in his letter to Timothy too. And you might want to read that for some reference. But he says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, 
but willingly. Here's something. Okay, we'll get into that. Um, when you are um, when you are a bishop, when you are an overseer, that's what it's talking about. He's going be the bishop, be the oversight, um, and not under compulsion. That's really an interesting one too, because um, when you when you start talking about what they're doing. In uh, this reference is like Philemon, but I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but by your own accord. Well, when you're talking to your parishioners, there's some people, and I, this isn't a Lutheran thing, but there's some people who think you can, your whole job is to be whipping on all of the people all of the time and to constantly keep everybody under some sort of order. But that would be something that no pastor, Lutheran or otherwise, could ever do. But rather to be there, to be the shepherd, to guide, and if and and you gotta realize everybody in your congregation, they're not gonna be the people you want them to be. You just have to be the pastor they need. And so so you're not forcing them that they willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Um, yeah, how many, how many people do you know that say, I'm going to be a pastor to get rich? <laughs> you know, in the Luther, as a confessional Lutheran, there's not one pastor that, oh, I'm going to be a pastor to get rich. You're, you're in the wrong denomination, pal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> because that's something that's not part of our mechanism either. You know, these pastors that... Um, it's like, how do you, how come you have $186 million in your bank account? You know, uh, I'm just curious that, you know, I mean, Joel Osteen is probably the easiest target, but um, to be all, you know, how is it, how is it, you know, you're doing this and no, it's not, I mean, you do get, or shameful gain, there's other things too, like, um, when you think well, about bishop, let, let, let me let me throw my, my hat in the ring on this because Rome loves to take Peter as their own. Pay attention, Rome, with your indulgences and everything else. Yeah, not shameful gain, not to be greedy, because you guys, how'd you build the uh, St. Peter's uh, Square there? <laughs> no irony How intended. <laughs> <laughs> you built St. Peter's Cathedral. St. Peter's Cathedral, I'll say it again. Yeah, did, did you did you read Peter before you did that? Yeah, that it's called a Catholic epistle. You'd think you would. But, um, you know, of course, they can always argue that, oh, it wasn't shameful, but the whole Reformation's like, um, excuse me, I beg to differ. Um, and not domineering over those in your charge, you know, it's hard because as a pastor sometimes... Um, you love well i don't speak for all pastors but i love the people that god has sent for me to serve and sometimes you know and this is this is in both parishes that i've served there's always that time where you're just going you you need a holy choking around your neck and um you know and you get so frustrated and you know and you just never say i'm going to wash my hands of you but you still you have people that, you know, they they kind of 
misuse you or they blow off the gifts of God or something and it's so frustrating and but you can't become a bully on them and you can't you can't jump right down their throats and and um, but rather you try to show them patience and love and everything like that and smile and sometimes you know you may have to speak the truth in love but not as a as a bully but as a as a brother and being an example you know being examples to the flock uh, a good example isn't cutting somebody off at the knees a good example is saying hey man that that way lies madness that way lies death and uh, well and i i can actually relate to a little of this now again disclaimer i'm not clergy but i do teach the high school kids and a lot of my kids don't show up, but then they show up to church. And I'm like, why weren't you in my class today? Hey. Yeah. Oh, the looks on their face. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't want you to be ashamed. I want to talk. I want to know why you weren't there. I want to find out how how do we get you there, and how are we going to get you to come on a regular basis? <laughs> I need to know uh, how we're going to get you there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all I want to know. And then, and then God's got gifts for you. He's got words for you. He's trying to equip you, right, with, yeah. with these things that, that, that I sit here. I told him early on, I said, hey, don't waste my time. I won't waste yours, and, and we'll all get along great because God's got good things for us. Yep. So... I'm like, where are you guys at? So if you if you guys are listening, you better be there Sunday morning, you punks. Yeah, well, it's, I'll, I'll bring it down the hammer. It's taken a long time here. I'll be here five years in April, and uh, you know, just now I start to see the Bible study starting to grow and um, people coming more. And you know, when I first got here, there was like a bunch of people, and they're here all the time, but. That fades out, so I, I don't I don't get my ego up too much on that, and um, but now I just kind of keep it consistently real and consistently good and consistently on a level that anybody could come in and you know and so and I start to see more and more people coming. Well, those are the people I want to come to Bible study, the ones who are going. Okay, I'm here because I need the good stuff, and this is where we're going to get it. We're studying John right now, and. Um, and so I'm looking forward, you know, I just love to see it when instead of there being four people there, there's 15 people or instead of 15, you know, something like that. So it's kind of good. Um, and, I, and I always make jokes in my sermon podcast of saying, and because Bible study is every Sunday at, and they go, 915. <laughs> yeah, 915. Very good. <laughs> I know you know well, when it is. <laughs> let me let me pack a little context. I guess I was void of context of what we've been doing the last few months is apologetics and and this is the high school kids. So what we really want to do is get them equipped for what they're gonna face in the world and what they're gonna face in college if they go to college and and I told them, you know, if you think that an hour on Sunday is enough to sustain your faith without actually doing some devotion and, and side study you guys are fools you know and you, you, it's that loving honesty they kids appreciate that you can't talk to adults like that but you can talk to kids because they will they'll receive that you know in in love and they'll understand what i'm saying and you know when they miss a class and we're talking about ministerial magisterial use to kids ministerial magisterial use of reason 
it takes an entire class just to do something like that with kids, if not two or three, you know. So I can't have them not show up because it puts a huge gap, you know, in everybody else's schedule. Well, that's pretty much um, the the endless um, uh, the endless battle is, and, and this is why starting with kids can be so important because um, if you're not if you're kind of not there with them on that, well, they grow up to be kind of uh, you know sort of doesn't really matter, you know and. I was trying to look up, um, yeah, it, he actually uses the word, um, the, the pres, presbyteros in here when he calls them, you know, seers and, and, uh, the, the presbyter where we get the word priest. But when we get, when we have this, um, youth that don't really, uh, fall in love with being in the word of God, well, you kind of get adults that are like, eh. and so often in our church, so many of our new members are converts from kind of nothing, you know, I mean, you, you don't have any of these built in skills. So you hope to give it to them so that they'll give it to their kids too. So anyway, I, I, uh, I digress, but, um, uh, or not for shame or domineering, but being an example. And when the chief shepherd appears, uh, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You know what? It's just a fancy schmancy way of saying, be faithful to your call. Um, and that, and, and when Jesus returns, guess what? That's a good thing. It's a good thing to be faithful to your call. And like it says, not being a bully, but being loving, showing oversight, be a shepherd, because, you know, there's sometimes you got to knock wolves in the head with the rod, and sometimes you got a shepherd with the staff, but, um, you know, the crown of glory is yours, man. Likewise, you who are younger, then he, then he moves on. <sighs> Talking about the, the younger people in the, in the, in the congregation, Hey, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. You know, if if you have a good pastor, um, well, then, you know, it's like God called you him here so that you would have a trustworthy person. And, you know, you got people, it's not, it's not the case here, but you've got people that are always just wanting to bust the pastor's chops and there's no humility toward the pastor. And they wonder why pastors get burned out and they leave congregations on the average of every three and a half years. So, you know, when you have people who are um, kind and humble, um, I believe the ministry does very well. And um, because you're not getting in the way of the gospel kind of thing. Yeah, and it's not bad if your pastor tells you something that's good and you might have some freedom one way or another. Just do what he says. Show a little humility. That's a way to show humility. So, you know, if Pastor Hoffman, if, if I was at his congregation, he says, look, man, I'm going to give you some marching orders, and I just want you to do this. I just say, okay. You know, yeah. like, again, read above. He's God's placed them as an as a under-shepherd, you know, over our, your soul. So, you know, 
it doesn't hurt you any to show some humility and do what he says. As long as he's not saying do something against scripture, but that's not what we're talking about here, right? So, I mean, like you said, a little humility, you know, put yourselves under them. Listen, they got, they got words to say to you from Jesus and gifts to give you. Smile. That's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Right. Well, I think there's a there's a just a huge kind of post nineteen seventies, uh, you know, everyone a minister kind of nonsense, and and pastors just, you know, and if you're humble, by the way, this isn't such a blow on your ego, but pastors may get uh, kind of a raw end of the deal if you have people who are like, you know, kind of hateful on them. But if you're humble, you're not going to be going. Well, and clutching your purse, purse, I mean, your pearls and going, how dare you? But you would say, well, you know, that's, that's not very nice of you. And, it, and it's, it's, it's sinful to be this way. And, you know, you're not clutching your pearls, but you are saying, look, I'm going to shepherd you away from this ignorance and point you towards Christ and, and he'll, he'll take it from there. <laughs> so... You know, a lot of people when they get mad, like, "How dare you!" and I'm, and I just go, "Well, have you read the Bible?" <laughs> so, um, when people act sinful, I'm like, "Yeah, well, that's how they dare," because they're well, broken. And, and I, I want the audience to know, notice something that, that goes with what we're saying. Uh, Pastor often just stop to actually look up the Greek word. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's an overwealth of knowledge that these guys. No, and then they have to actually bring it down to your level, and that's not always easy. Um, sometimes when I'm talking to kids, I'm like, so the opinion leg is, and they're like, the what? The who? The, the what? And I'm like, oh, yeah, you guys are kids. Uh, right. let, let's start over. So, like, he's got to do this continually, and everybody's different, you know? So, again, a little humility goes a long way. Realize it's not about you. It's a collective church. Yeah. It's about everybody. I happen to be friends with um, lots of pastors, and I'm blessed to be friends with a bunch of excellent, far better pastors than I am in my own Northwest District here. And these are guys that I have no problem saying, hey, I got no idea what, 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 what's going on here. And between them, they'll say, well, I think here's what, you know, I mean, they're, even pastors, we, we benefit from other pastors because, again, even in a group, we all pastors, but there's some, some pastors I know that I'm just going, I should probably be quiet and listen to this guy. <laughs> and, so, and, and, and I think that helps make me a better pastor. <laughs> so, so and, I, and there's lots of pastors like that in the Northwest District who... who who love who love being a pastor, even though it's it is a little bit of a weird district, but that's okay. If you live in Oregon, you get used to weird anyway, but um, and you kind of like it, but um, you don't you don't ever like the bad theology, but you can like you can like weird people because I know I'm one of them, and so it's definitely a cool thing. But you know, even talking about um, how about this? Uh, and he says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now, I would ask, this is the kind of question I would say to my confirmands. Why in the earth would God oppose a proud person? And, um... I ooh, ooh, I know, I know. 
<laughs> point at you, Zach. <laughs> I mean, I think that might be a good question to ask my second years. We're starting on that book that you, uh, you got a copy of it, Interpreting the Holy Scriptures. Um, we started it. It's a great it. book, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody should read it. Um, but they, uh, we're starting to read that again. And, and this is a good question to ask them. Why does God oppress, I mean, um, oppose the proud? You know, and uh, because, you know, somebody who's overly uh, excited about themselves is not looking at Christ. You know, somebody who's proud or puffed up or something like that is, is basically filled with their own goodness and not uh, focused on the goodness of God. So... And, but he gives and grace to the I, humble. I would, I would contend that all sin, pride is the root of all sin. And, and that pride leads to unbelief. And I'm going to encourage everybody, I'll exhort everybody, go read Nehemiah 9, <laughs> the prayer. And, 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 and look for words like proud, arrogant, faithless, and, and put them all together there and see what Peter's saying here. Let, let the scriptures do their work of interpreting the scriptures we'll give you guys some homework well that would be fun and hey post it in the uh lutheran stuff no drama facebook group too that would be kind of fun because i know we have more than a couple guys in there guys in, well when i say guys i mean men and women that would go over there and they're like well let's see what they're talking about and they'll go and open up their bibles and they'll read it and they'll go huh yeah, he's right. <laughs> and, the, and you know what? That would make for a great post in the Facebook group because anytime you reference this podcast, you know, it, it makes for a good conversation because really the podcast is, um, I mean, the group is, is someplace where we're able to focus the podcast and discuss what's going on. And so, and, and we talk about giving grace to the humble. That's another really good one. Because um, what you have are the, the humble are the ones that are low, you know, the ones that are down below and everything and, and uh, even the downtrodden. And so for the people that are made low, he's like, yeah, well, you're mine. He's not looking. He's not looking for you to be a king in order to approach him. He is looking for somebody who is looking for the Lord. And um, and that's who it is. And to piggyback on this, notice an attribute of God is not pride. Jesus, when when he appeared in the incarnation, um, not that he did not appear before the incarnation, but we're talking about when he assumed his human nature, he came to us humble, he came to us downtrodden. The <laughs> Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. I mean, these are all attributes of God and the givingness. So we can learn from the nature of Christ, you know, how we are to be imitators. Mm-hmm. Well, like the woman at the well, you really know who you're asking to draw you water, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're a Jew, right? Okay, just, um, you know, and, and, and he was showing her mercy and grace and um, even even though she was a little bit puffed up, you notice, and um, when she's saying, yeah, our, "Our fathers worshipped our fathers <laughs> greater than them," so they it's say like, it's in Jerusalem. 
woman, please. Yep. Go get your husband. Oh, you can't. <laughs> you're you're not married. Yeah, but you've been married five times and you're shacking up with somebody now. And so, you know, but he wasn't there. That was the end of that. The rest of it was her saying, you know what? That did humble her. She, He's like, she, he knows me. Isn't that a, an interesting way of her to describe to the people back home is to say, I think I found the one and he told me about myself, you know? And um, it's to say, this guy knows me. And um, and that's that's a powerful witness rather than he turned water into wine. Oh, he must be a great magician. He brought Lazarus back from the dead. Oh, he must be, you know, a prophet. He knows me. Okay, man. Well, and, and, and he shows up again with gifts, right? Because he's like, woman, give me a drink of water. She's like, well, no. I only <laughs> have this whole well here. And he's like, but I'm totally going to, if you would ask me, I would give you living water, mm -hmm. right? I would give you the spirit and baptism yeah. for free, for nothing. And her response is hilarious, right? Oh, I love it. Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. <laughs> really? After I just told you all that? <laughs> <laughs> all right. There goes me walking in humility. I'm not Jesus. I kind of, I, I added some words there that aren't his. He didn't say that, but well, I like. I, I, I'm mocking a little. I like how she says, you know, the well is deep and the walk is far. <laughs> I sure would like to not have to do that anymore. And, um, that's okay. She didn't get it. She didn't entirely get it. But again, ours, our faith is not an intellectual ascent to Jesus. Ours is the Lord of hosts coming, descending down to us. So, you know, this is why, you know, verse 6. Humble yourselves. There it is again. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. He may, Meaning he may lift you up. And so here we are. Here he comes riding humble on a donkey, right? So when people, you know, they, they often, it's hard to peg Christianity in this way because it, it's not like other religions. It's not this fiery this fiery shining God that we're just down below and he's awesome and he's prideful and we're down here going, I'm a worm and he's throwing us little scraps from the table. No, he came to us humbly to say, look, I mean, you see him doing all these amazing things as a humble servant because he doesn't have to impress anybody. Um, he is who he is and he bears witness to himself, his works, bear witness to him. His his word bears witness to the entire creation of the universe. So I have uh, the way that the Christian faith is you can't um you can't just, you know, pigeonhole it like uh like you see in um like you see in so many other religions. And then he says uh that he may exalt you that he lifts you up. If you're down low, don't worry. He's the one exalting means to raise you up, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. You ever meet anybody with anxieties? I mean... Uh, me? Yeah. I got anxieties, but I, I I cast them on the Lord because that's the only place to take them. But I, I want to talk a second on, on the wordplay that Peter uses when he says, 
humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. I want to point out, whenever we're talking like the hand of God, who's mm -hmm. at the right the hand power. of the Father? Yeah. It's Christ, you know. So the word play always in the Scripture, this is prominent. Remember, we started that Peter's really playing an Old Testament text here. The Old Testament, there's a lot of references to God's right hand, and that's his power, his majesty, his glory, his wisdom, and that's Jesus who's at the right hand of the Father. So, and then when he says to um, exalt, I don't think that's a term we ever talk about, but exalt literally means to be lifted up. Mm -hmm. So Jesus was exalted on the cross. Oh, yeah. Lifted up for your salvation. It's uh, uh, it's definitely um, his raising you up is a lot better than the raising up that he got, <laughs> and so yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. This isn't saying yeah, Jesus will exalt you as in he's going to crucify you. It's it's the other way around. He's been crucified so that he can lift you up. Well, and it's kind of awesome because in Romans, you know, Saint Paul will say, you know, you were crucified with him in baptism. And, uh, and so, and then here's Peter talking about you being lifted up. And in both cases, it talks about likening the horror and nightmarish thing that Christ went through. And for us, it becomes a blessing. And so that's, that's quite an amazing thing. And because when you are humble below the power of God, um, you know, at the proper time, he'll raise you up. And, um, Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. You know, there's people that, uh, like that Pharisee, or you, we may have been talking about it off the air, but um, the Pharisee, when they would try to con they try to confess to him, and he's like, what does that matter to me? Well, what you've done is you've left, you've left somebody shaking in their boots, and you're not giving them grace. And so these people have lots of anxiety over that. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so, when you see it here, uh, somebody is saying, "Cast that on him, cast it away," you know, and he'll take it, puts it in that grave, walks out, and leaves it in there. And uh, it's where dead things belong, and it's where sin and death belong in a grave. And so, uh, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And he's, you know, the people he's looking for? These worry warts. The ones that are like, oh man, I don't know, can God really help me? And the devil's over there going, I'm with you, buddy. He's got his arm around your shoulder. And yeah, I mean, this world's a lot different than it was for our grandparents, you know. Maybe that worked for them, but maybe we got to try something else, you know. And... And of course, he's he always is going to act like your friend, and then and but really, what he wants to do is gobble you up, and then so. Oh, and Peter had this firsthand. Remember, Jesus said to Peter, "Yo, Peter, Satan wanted to sift you like wheat, but I prayed for you." <laughs> but I prayed. For, you remember that? So yeah. yeah, he's like he's like, hey, hey, I know firsthand about this anxious stuff because Satan was going to sift me like wheat, but Jesus prayed for me, so like. And he's he's prowling around, you know. It all fits with with like Peter's real experience in the gospel accounts. Jesus is like, I pray for you. You're good. Yep. And Jesus and that's, has, and, and and that's what he does for you, dear Christian. He intercedes and prays for you at the right hand of the Father, 
You have your advocate, the Holy Spirit here on earth, interceding for you. I mean, is there nothing that God has not given us? I know. And that's kind of the... That's kind of another part of the anxiety because the anxiety anxious mind is going, has he really given me what I need? And the devil's or, over there again going, yes, yeah, buddy. It, it, <laughs> it's always give me more, right? Yeah. Give me more. I don't believe it. Uh-huh. Um, you know, if I can, you know, if you've ever seen the, uh, the movie uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, when they're in there with a with a everlasting gobstopper, and the kid gets mad and goes, "Hey, I think she got two. And he goes, "One lasts forever. What's the problem? You know, she doesn't get two. Everybody gets one. They last forever." And and that's that's the problem with people worrying about God's grace. You know, I, I don't know if it's enough. It's called a everlasting gobstopper. It doesn't wear out. You know, and and they're like, I don't know. And so I think in our society, you meet a lot of people who have so much anxiety. And the farther you get away from Christ, I believe the worse this is going to get. And, um, and so uh, and he, and he, roaring lions seeking someone to devour. And then St. Peter's like, resist him firm in their faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by the brotherhood throughout the world. So to know that. What you need is what he's given you. You don't need something new. You don't need to buy the new Joel Osteen book. What you need to rely on is faith in Jesus Christ because, you know, faith always has a focus. And the focus is on the death and resurrection of Jesus, the, your baptism, the sacrament of the altar, all these things that says, by the way, this is for people who are set apart, the ones that are with me. And, um, and that's how you resist the devil is you're with the Lord and, um, and he's brought you into his camp. And so, you know, and, and also know that your suffering isn't alone. I don't know if, uh, if this is meant to make you feel better or just to give you the big picture or maybe both to so say, guess what? This is happening to our brothers all over the world. And uh, I take that as a comfort text. I really, this is actually one of my favorite texts in scripture when, when you know you're not alone and, and you have the uh, fellowship of the saints, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and while one's being attacked, the others are praying. And then when you're being attacked, they're praying for you. You know, and, and that's a huge comfort, you know, knowing that the devil's just ping-ponging the church. But the thing is, is he can't overcome us. Like Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Mm -hmm. So I find it to be a huge comfort text. Well, I definitely do too, and it also lets you know that um, this is just the deal. When you love Jesus, the devil knows he knows what his job is, and um, and he very much he very much despises it. Um, but um, once again, um, uh, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So, again, Peter is saying, with this life, it comes suffering. It is a thing. Don't treat suffering like the, the, um, uh, the, the preachers who preach like prosperity and say, well, God must be mad at you because you're suffering. No, no. 
being faithful means that comes with it suffering in the sense that people who hate Jesus, well, they're not going to like you. And I don't mean the people who are, you know, Christians who are acting like a jerk going, I'm being persecuted. No, I'm talking about people who have, <laughs> who have strong faith. I and... set myself on fire. Look at what you did to me. <laughs> I, I have two things on this. Number one, Paul says the exact same thing to Timothy. He says all those who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And number two, did you just preach the gospel that Rome anathema and then, like, claim Peter? Yeah, I know, right? Uh, <laughs> just just going to throw that in there because we're taking Peter back. So Yeah, we are taking uh, it back. And maybe we need to, we need to always um, play that, look who's back, you know, because we got Peter back. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's the patron saint of the Bush Leaguers. <laughs> So definitely we're going to be who's the patron saint of the Bush Leaguer, of the downtrodden, of the Lutheran, and uh, all that. So, and because he, you know, and after all this, being lifted up, confirmed, strengthened, established, and it says to him be the dominion forever and ever to say, look, it, he's the one who's who's got it. He's got it all. You don't have to worry about, you know, that old thing of, uh, you know, God doesn't, you don't have faith in him. He's got faith in you. He knows he can do it. I remember hearing that from some, uh, I think they were Methodist when I was in high school. And, um, and then later I heard it from Rob Bell. And, um, and I almost threw up in my mouth when I heard him recycling yeah, that yeah. old heresy. And, um, yeah. I got a buddy who still does it. It still does it. I mean, you can preach and teach straight doctrine all day long, but then all you can do is pray for them. Um, I think it's important that we look at the word dominion real quick, though, because you take someone like Jehovah Witnesses, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, they look at Jesus as... A creation, which is totally not true, because he has dominion over all things. Oh yeah, and I think it's important to to point out that only God carries dominion over all things. And if you do not submit to this holy Son of the Father, who's given the Spirit that you can even believe such things, like you're going to perish. And and it's important to note that all things are in subjection to him, Paul would say. Peter says he has dominion over all, all things. It's in the Psalms. It's in the prophets. Once he was exalted, crucified, and resurrected, man, everything's under Jesus' fingers. Yep. So it's, it's important that, that people understand from just small little texts like this, a sentence can show the divinity of Christ. Well, that's absolutely, um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm having a freeze up because the, the Jehovah's Witnesses are so messed up, but, um, I mean, they're just modern Aryans too. So it's just, it's, and so to him be the dominion forever and ever, not anybody else. I mean, you, you can't look to, uh, Anything else? And um, where is it? Auto to Kratos, Um, You know the um, 
the might and his mighty deeds, the Kratos, you know, um, you have this of him be the unto the might into Ionus into eternity into the ages and ages and then he ends it with amen not as a prayer but to say what I just said is true and so you know and this is most certainly true and then uh, that's a really strong stat statement on there and then um, because he ends with some beautiful gospel, doesn't he? Because he, begin, he begins it with, I exhort you, and he preaches the law, you know, extremely well. Um, you know, he had a good teacher. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so, so he preaches this law and gospel sermon better than I've ever written, and we're only 12, 11 verses into it. <laughs> and... Um, so there's this law and gospel sermon, and then of course in the final greetings, uh, the by Silvanus, a faithful brother, as I regard him, I have written to you, and um, I've written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Hear him; he's even saying, exhorting law and declaring the gospel, law and gospel. I just, I just love that, and. Um, and so he keeps moving on, and um, but this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. Uh, she who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings. Now, the she at Babylon, um, Sylvanus, uh, let's see, he was the letter, he was the scribe, right? I'm trying to remember. And um, he was the scribe that, that he used, I'm pretty sure. This was a, uh, dicta uh, a dictation. But the church at Rome, uh, Babylon, symbolizes Rome's persecution of believers. Now, of course, later people did try to turn this on to the Roman Catholic, and it's not the same thing. This is That's just bad exegesis. But um, Luther had his own words for it. But um, you got to realize this isn't a knock on the Catholic Church. You have to see what's going on in Rome right now, is Rome is killing you because you follow the way. Rome is persecuting you because you have um, you have faith in Jesus. And so instead of this just making it some lame denominational argument, he's pointing out that it's a tough world out there. I am not preaching to wealthy people who go home and just relax by the pool. He's preaching to people who are going to go out and somebody's going to point at you and go, hey, aren't you part of that Christian church? And, and how do you answer you know and so i find that even though this is a final greeting he did something where he points out the reality of what's going on and then he says to him greet one another with the kiss of love peace to all of you who are in christ yes it was a middle eastern custom to kiss men to kiss on each other's faces and cheeks i prefer a handshake um when my elder helps me in church on Sunday and when we're done, I shake his hand and every Sunday and I say thank you. And um, they're always very generous and they're very gracious and they're like, oh, sure, you're welcome. <laughs> but um, uh, he's talking about, uh, you know, this is stand firm. He's not just saying this in a really successful Christian society. He's saying, stand firm. The Romans will kill you. 
but they won't not, win. Not only that, the, the the entire Babylon thing again, and he's been doing this since he opened the book. It's a, it's a play on all the Old Testament. It's not yep. like who he's writing to has no understanding of Scripture and how it testifies to Jesus. So, well, I mean, when he says Babylon, you got to remember that's when Israel was taken into captivity by uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, you're at yeah. In, in the Babylonian captivity, and this, again, like you said, he's making the comparison with Rome now, equal to the Babylon, the Christians are taken into captivity, you know, so he's, again, he's paralleling, and, and the way it just flows spirited, and, and it comes off, it's it's so Lutheran. Yep, I'm this telling you. This is so not Roman Catholic. <laughs> we need medals or something with Saint Peter, the patron saint of the of the Bush League. <laughs> we got to add that to his uh, list of, and he's the patron saint of the Lutheran. <laughs> but you know, we're coming to the end of this, and we're also coming to the end of the entire book. And in my view, I think. If somebody were to listen to this podcast from chapter 1 to 5, they're going to see that St. Peter is not a shallow, um, be a good person, or here's, your, here's you know just a book on uh, improving your Christian or moral standing. What you see, and I think you find, is a grace-filled, um, gospel-centered, law and gospel-preaching pastor who just nails it time and time again and the reason why it's a Lutheran book is because it points to this so much instead of it being just some works righteous book or just some moral pat you on the back book well and and the last sentence is huge too peace to all of you who are in Christ mm-hmm and when we say peace we're not like peace man <laughs> we're like upper this room yeah, this is the war with you and God is over. This yeah. is why Jesus shows up and says, peace be with you, because I just totally put the white flag out. Like, you guys are no longer raging against God. Mm -hmm. My death is, is risen above that. So when we say peace in church, in Lutherans, we say peace a lot, because it's not, it's not again, peace, man. This is... Hey, the war with me and God and you and God is over. We have peace with you through Jesus Christ. You know, and that's that's what he's saying here. Yeah, it's kind of funny. The war is over. Who won? Well, God won. That's why you have peace. <laughs> <laughs> he won and he lost. Yeah. Isn't it beautiful? His, his he death won is... and lost at the same time. Law his... gospel. Yep. His death is your life. And um, so I got to say once again, Zach, this was an awesome thing, and I was so glad to be able to study this book with you, to have a few laughs as well, to to bring it in the Bush League and bring it to our Lutheran brothers and sisters who are so enjoying and saying such nice things about being brought close to the Word of God because we're we're taking it from somebody who who wants to learn and to have a little bit of fun and. In, realize that fellowship is a part of being in the word of god absolutely and it's it's always a pleasure and i think what we want to do is do we want to ask the listeners 
what do you guys think next? What book do you want next? Oh, yeah, that's right. You tell us. Um, and also, if you want to become, uh, if you want to have what's called occasional, meaning like you're, if you want us to talk about a certain topic, be sure to um, be sure to include that. Or if you want us to talk about the catechism or something like that. Or if there's a weird book in the Bible that you want us to do, hey, we're weird. And um, and so whatever it is, put it in the in the comments in the Lutheran Stuff No Drama uh, Facebook group and we'd be happy to, to answer it. So um, with that being said, uh, be sure to check us out on nodramalutherans.org. And of course, our Podbean, uh, nodramalutherans.podbean.com. So until the next time, this is Pastor Hoffman for Zach Lesher saying, God bless your week. <laughs>